0: the
1: story of my life. No respect. I don't get no respect at all The story of my life. No respect. I don't get no respect at all you. They couldn't score and fell flat and the 40-shot on goal was 40-shot and goal a little deceiving. here. And even though they had some really good opportunities, surprisingly, they need to play with that intensity in those last three, four minutes. Rangers sometimes don't play at their best level against lower-tier teams.
2: Here's
0: Johnny! Nope.
2: This is Ranger Proud, the Ring podcast with Ranger Proud, here on the Bleed Blue Show. And yes, we are. Uh, the blue shirts fall at home to the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, Bleedblueshow.com. Uh, The Facebook fan page, The Bleed Blue Show, of course, The Bleed Blue Show on Twitter and also IG for all of our episodes. Uh, I always say we are the Voltron of sports fans. I mean, you could congregate for all the sports, the great sports fans that come on and give their opinion on this platform. And so we're going to discuss this loss versus the Carolina Hurricanes. And of course, the the gold explosion over the weekend, to be quite honest with you, And, and as fun as that was to watch, it was really about tonight and how we were going to fare against one of the top teams in the division. Uh, we said it for weeks now. We know the Rangers can't improve. They cannot improve their position, per se, or necessarily lose it, as long as they kind of win games throughout the rest of this regular season. Uh, RP's with us. He's going to be here for a few. Got Scott with us. Got Glenn with us. We got Carl with us. Carl. Uh, uh, shout out to Carl. And um, RP, what's up, man? Um, tough loss, man. I thought the Rangers played well tonight. And they just could not hold the lead after scoring twice, giving up uh, retai- retaliation goals to the Carolina Hurricanes. And um, to me, RP, it was really more about tonight than what happened versus the second game. In, you know, the Pittsburgh, the goal explosions, the last two games at home, Penguins and uh, Predators. How you doing, RP? What's up? Uh,
1: I'm doing good, Steve. How are you? Yeah, you know, it, I yeah. guess at this time of year, every loss is a uh, a heartening loss. Yeah, you're not gonna win. (laughs) It's the same old chance. You're not gonna win every game, and I don't want to win the last 12 games of the season. I want to win the next 16 when the playoffs start. So they got to improve on some, you know, little things, a couple little defensive lapses. Uh, You know, the the one goal when Trouba and Miller went after the the two guys behind the net and left one open. I think that gave them the two one lead uh I thought the play on Linggren for the, the game-winning goal was a uh, – I thought he got slew-footed, to tell you the truth. The way the Hurricane came up behind Lindgren and took him down, and then before you know it, the puck's in the net. Of course, the first game back, Lindgren was going to look a little off, and that was expected, so you had to get that first game out of the way sometime. I mean, what was this, guys, the first game that we've had a full line-up since before the Kane deal, I mean, when everybody was healthy and not suspended, and, and trades were made and all, so I, I think they're going to be fine. You know, you just you're not going to win as much as you want it. You're not going to get a point in every game the rest of the way. You're not going to win. You just got to now bounce back the next game. But like you said, Steve, it wasn't a horrible game tonight. I, I got to tell you, Shostakin is back. Uh, I don't. I couldn't fault him on any of those goals. He looked really, really good tonight. He looked good a while, as has as Halak, so, you know, this is one of those games where you got to just put it to the wayside and come back on Thursday night in Carolina and just start up another streak and see what happens.
2: All right, cool. Let's get them all on. Scott, say hello real quick. How you doing, sir? And then we'll go ahead and say hello real yeah, quick.
3: Good. Good evening, um yeah, this one stings a little bit, but um you know you look look at the bigger picture um you know look, look where we were exactly one week ago one week ago we were uh right off that washington game and i had uh i had said even though they had put together a little uh uh A little three zero and one streak. Right after that, we were on for that Washington game. I said that, with the exception of the Washington game, the three before that felt very unfulfilling. uh, That the Montreal shootout, the uh, the Buffalo OT win, uh, and then the Pittsburgh uh, you know OT loss. You know, it felt like a very unfulfilling five out of six points. But they, you know, something. You're not going to break a slump. Go before that Montreal game. They were, um, you know, they, oh, they were two on, five hold on, and one. Hold on, Scott. Hold but,
2: on, Scott. Let's just yeah. get everybody on now. Let's go play fire away. Glenn, what's up, man? How you doing?
0: I'm doing fine, uh, as well as I can be after a game like that. Uh, you now, very disappointing to have uh, a lead and a one one nothing lead halfway through the third period. You got a tight game, and uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, this is the way things go. in in tight games like this. You get a a defensive mistake on the second goal. Uh, You get, uh, you know, a possible penalty that wasn't called. It takes Lindgren out of position on the third goal. And uh, that's what usually happens in games like this. It's, uh, you know, a mistake or a break that another team gets. So uh, still a lot of positives to take out of tonight and obviously the last couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, I don't think this is uh, anything to be too worried about. I thought they played well and, and the biggest thing, like RP said, is uh looks like Igor is back. So, that's uh, really the, the most important thing to take out of uh, the last couple of games.
2: All right, cool. Shout-outs to you. Go. Carl, say hello to real quick. I'm going to go back to RP and, go, and then go back to Scott. Carl, what's up, man? How you doing, man?
4: Good evening, gentlemen. Boy, that game got drunk, didn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well said. <laughs>
2: All right, yeah. shout us to Carl, uh, RP. Anything you like to say before go back to Scott? Cause Scott was going. Uh, he had a lot to say. Anything? Come uh, no, no, up to a nice game.
1: Let let's, Let uh, you yeah, know, let, let Scott jump on, and then I'll you know jump on quick. Cause I gotta have to hop off early tonight with work and all. But now give uh give Scott his moment there. He was on a roll. It's hey, Scott. Oh, bro, thank you, way, bro.
3: Appreciate it. Yeah. So I was saying like um. You know, I felt kind of unfulfilled. I said that last week. I felt kind of like an unfulfilling five out of six points just because of the way those games went down. You know, Montreal in a, in, in a shootout. Uh, Buffalo, I thought they were just kind of lackadaisical, whatever the case. Um, but you know what? When, when, you're, when you're in a slump, you see it like baseball a lot. You know, when a player's in a slump, he's like over 15, and he finally gets that first hit, it's always something cheap. You know, it's always like a, like a broken bat. Something like this, you know, rolling down the line and the pitcher lets it go because he wants it to roll foul and it doesn't. And then, you know, the, like the first hit to break a slump is not going to be a 400-foot home run. Uh, it's always something cheap like that. But So, you know, that's what the, those three games were. At the time, it was just kind of like blah. But, you know, after the two and five and, and, and one streak before those games, you know, that was how they kind of got themselves out of it. And then, you know, here we are a week later where they piled on four more on top of that And those wins were very satisfying. You know, Pittsburgh was pretty much knocking on the door. They were a legit threat, uh, you know, before the, the two games last week. And we just, you know, we, we sent them packing with extreme prejudice. Now they're fighting for their playoff lives. In fact, today uh, they were on the outside looking in for the first time in a, in a while. And, um, you know, I know Nashville was, was basically an AHL team. Uh, but, you know, what we did, what we were supposed to do. You want to be, a, you know, we're supposed to be a Stanley Cup contender down the stretch playing an AHL team. You, you end that game in the first period is what you do, in, uh, you know, it's Typical Rangers fashion, they, they they would tie that game late and win it in overtime. But no, they they ended that game in the first like they were supposed to. Um, so so yeah, so I'm happy with, with you know what we've seen overall. Um, Patrick Kane has settled in; he looks very comfortable out there. Tarasenko looks comfortable, and that's the important part. Those those you know that that firepower that we got for the Cup run, uh, you know, have settled in there. Um, you know, so that's good to see, uh so yeah, I mean, tonight's things a little bit, but I don't think they played terribly. I think you know it's one of those games of like missed opportunities. The first two power plays were were atrocious, they did absolutely nothing um you know, not to take anything away from Carolina's penalty killing, but you know they got to be better than that, and uh, the third one was decent, but uh you know just not enough could have put the game away, but whatever uh it was you know an interesting third period, kind of kind of a three three four minutes uh it really picked up uh you know not your typical Rangers kanes game there uh, for a while, but um, you know I, I was looking at the shots on goal, and I, you know, you know Steve, you here I go back and forth with the shots. I just, you know, but you know when when you see a, a period, the second period they had five shots, um, you know that that's a problem. Um, you know I, I think we both agreed that it's not really an issue mm. of, of the of the shot number unless it's extreme on one end or the other, and five is a little extreme, too little. But they rebounded nice in the third with thirteen, and um, you know I, I thought they tied the game there at the end i mean the very very end there was a deflection it was like it was like uh the puck was in the air and it was deflected downwards like that looked like a, a perfect deflection I, I can't believe that didn't go in um but it is what it is um you know Linggren's first game back let him and uh and fox get the practices in little uh you know just re- re- rekindle that uh chemistry get fox back to doing what he can do uh and uh you know we we, we, we got a chance for redemption in two nights and hopefully uh Hopefully we can right the ship there, but you know, all in all, you know, life is good from what we've seen from the last two weeks.
2: I was waiting for RP. RP, going to take the range. You good?
1: Oh yeah, no, I'm yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. So speaking about uh, shots on goal, Steve, you were uh, you were messaging me the other day about shots on goal and what you want to. To contribute to that
2: conversation, so why don't you ahead us with it? Well, well, the this, this, this Scott's point—he was kind of saying, well, if it's over a long stretch of games, like matter of weeks, if you're really getting outshot, then yeah, that's a problem. But I don't look at shots on goal necessarily where you're winning a battle, where where the Rangers had one blowout and they were getting significantly outshot. It's not necessarily to me in a one individual game if it's happened over a course of a couple of weeks, then yeah, I totally agree with that sentiment. But if you're talking about an individual game case by case, it's not that cut and dry for me.
1: Mm. Yeah, I, I, can, I can understand that. Uh, I, I guess you're referring to the Nashville game when
0: they right. just, everything right. they took
1: went in the net, but they didn't take a lot of shots. But you, you want to know Or the, Pittsburgh, a or lot the of second Pittsburgh on, a, a, right, a, a lot of times with, with, with shots on goals, it's, it, it's not a of a win or loss, but to me it's in it of how you're controlling the game. Quality shots, not, you know, shots on the blue line or just to, to get a shot on that and all. But I, I think it goes two ways. I, I think, like, tonight's game, the second period, the Rangers didn't have a lot of shots. They didn't seem to have a lot of momentum. Carolina held the puck a huge amount of time difference more than than what the Rangers had the puck. And you're not going to get shots if you're not getting the puck in their end. So, uh yeah, I, I see that. Um You know, guys, just to buff around instead of recapping it all, because we're getting down to the little nitty-gritty. So that was the Rangers' 71st game this season. They're sitting in third. They're six behind the Devils. They're now eight behind Carolina. Are we all in agreement that third place is a good spot for the Rangers to wind up? I know we ended last week suggesting it. I think it's a little bit more apparent that Second place it might be a little bit hard to get to for home ice. Um, we could be playing Carolina in the first round. The Devils are, are really hot right now. So, uh, Carl, Mr. Statman here, what, what are you thinking with the Rangers starting the playoffs, probably on the road either in Carolina or in New Jersey? Was that for me, RP? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd like to hear your Okay, you know.
4: Okay, you know, I was going to bring this up, had the score ended up at one nothing or 2-1 to tonight in the Rangers' favor. Um, because I was thinking to myself, going into the game tonight, and I thought about it after Sunday's debacle, whatever that, whatever that was. And I said, you know, I was going to paint a scenario and said, well, what happens if the Rangers are, let's just say, oh, I don't know, three points behind one of these two teams with four or five games to go. Obviously, they've got 11, but just the context of the question would have been how hard should the Rangers push for home ice advantage, whether it be for the second seed or even by some miracle, you know, the first seed. But as it turns out tonight, because of the fact that they lost in regulation, now they're eight points behind Carolina. The chance of you now getting, you know, getting first, that's kind of out of the window now. The second place thing is going to still be kind of in play, for a while here. Let me look at how many points they're behind them. I think they're down, oh, they're down by six points with 10 games, 11 games to go. So that's going to be very hard, even with that to make up. But let's just throw this out there. Let's say about 10 days from now, the Rangers are within three points of second place with like five games to go. How hard do you push for this? It is my contention I wouldn't push it at all. I'm very content with where they are right now. I would much rather have a healthy roster and be on the road in the first round of the playoffs than trying to overexert, overextend, and just trying to potentially steal wins and and points and then have the residual effect of potential guys being injured or, or just wear and tear because you are trying to attain something that might statistically not been possible so that is kind of where i am at uh with the rp so t- i'll take the third spot win one game on the road handle your home games and then take it from there other than that uh, I- i'm just not looking to go all out just to get an extra home game i'm sorry
1: glenn what do you think um, I
0: actually agree with Carl uh, for a number of reasons. Um, first of all, this team has played very well on the road this year. In fact, they have a better record on the road than they do at home. So I'm not really concerned about this team playing uh, road games. Uh, secondly, whether it's New Jersey or Carolina, uh, if you want to you know, talk about crowd support, those are two places where the Rangers are going to have very good crowd support. So it's not as intimidating as it might be going into some other buildings like Boston or Montreal in the old days where, you know, there's an intimidation or even the garden going way back uh, where there's an intimidation factor, uh, you know, from the crowd. So I'm not afraid of them going into uh, uh, into Carolina or uh, going into uh, the Prudential Center uh, and playing uh, road games. Um And, uh, you know, as part of that in general, um, I don't think home ice matters as much as it used to. Um, You know, there were teams back in the day that would lose three or four games all year at home. Uh, You know, Boston is kind of in that category this year. But uh, it's really kind of funny if you look at the standings, how much better – uh, some teams have played on the road, have actually a better record on the road than they do at home. And I'm talking about, you know, some of the top teams in the league. So, um, you know, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. um, when they were getting uh, when they were getting close, it might have been nice to, you know, pick up that, that extra cherry on top. But I'm, I'm pretty content with them uh, finishing in third place. And whichever team they wind up playing, I don't think it's going to matter that much.
1: Okay. What do you got Scott? What?
3: You know, I'm gonna. I guess I'll be devil's advocate here, and and I'll say that um, I do want that uh, that home ice, and yeah, crowd noise. Obviously, not a, not a, not a problem. Specifically with these with these two teams. Obviously, we could we, we we you know we we know we could take over Carolina, and we've been taking over New Jersey since 1982. No problem. Not worried about that, but. You know, I don't know if it's just Rod Brindamore. Maybe he's the best coach in, uh, we've ever seen. I don't know, but you, you know, I've never seen anything like we brought it up a million times. I've never seen anything like the like like we saw last year with the difference in. Um, in in Carolina, just just owning a game and and all of them, all all four. And again, I and I'll say it again: the only reason that uh, that Game Seven goes the way it does is because of those two power plays. You know, Carolina was still the better team in that period, but. You know, we got two power play goals, and then Carolina went into panic mode in the second period, and then, then we broke it open. So I, I, you know, the other three games they, they just owned us. That that that, you know, it's a chess match with with the, with the matchups and the, and the last change and this and that. And you know, Zabanjad was just non-existent. They just completely took him. You know, the good news is this time, um, you know, we have the firepower to adjust if you know if, if they can only they can only do that with one guy, and uh, you know they did it with ad and you know completely made. Davis just just inept in those games in Carolina. Um, you know, there was a regular season game last year. This year, yeah, we, we we blew them out this year. But you know, they were the better team for for most of that game, and then and then Panarin just just you know was just broke off the leash in the third period there. But you know, and and but I don't think that game was reminiscent of that six two uh, you know score. Um, you know, again, so you know, I do want that that home ice. Um, although, you know, and, and you know to to. Be complete devil's advocate there's something to be said for being the road team too because if you could steal uh you know if you could split on the road or even win both then you're you know completely playing with house money uh you know putting all put all the pressure on the team that has the home um uh, you know whom i sold. so there's something to be said for you know if you can you know come out strong and steal them on the road uh then it's better to have the um uh, you know, to to be the road team because then you got more home games left. So you know, it could go either way. But I guess the answer to the question is, yeah, I, I want that. uh I want that home ice in, in that first round. Um, I mean, last year, look, uh you know. Game seven, Pittsburgh OT at home. You know who knows how that goes if that game's in Pittsburgh. Eh, you know we could lose that game. We, we could win that game five enough. Who You know who knows? You you never know. But I'm just saying it just you know we win Game seven, come from behind, and you know we had the crowd noise in our, in our pocket there. Maybe that helps us. I don't know. Um, and then of course, well you know obviously Carolina didn't didn't really matter with the, with the Game seven uh, where, where that was. But I I would just if we have a chance to take, uh, to take home ice in one of those series. I would like to have it just because that, that what Carolina did to us last year scares me. And, uh, you know, while we're on the topic, do you guys remember, uh, I believe it was the Tom Rennie era. I believe it was the first year that the, that the Prudential Center opened. Cause I was at the game, you know, we took every game in, in New Jersey. There was like eight games that year. We took all of them. Uh, Cause my girlfriend at the time was, was a devil's fan, different devil's fan than my girlfriend now. And um, she had season tickets. And, and so we went to every game and there, And so the Rangers and Devils played in the last game of the season and they were guaranteed to play in the playoffs um, as four or five, but, but who was four and who was five was not, set in stone, so that game, and and the Devils had the tiebreaker, so the Rangers had to win it in regulation to get the four seed, Uh, as soon as that thing went to overtime, then it didn't matter, and the Devils would lock down the four seed, so I saw something that I'd never seen before, and uh, Tom Rennie pulled, uh, pulled a goalie, he pulled Lundquist in a tie game late. Uh going That's for the right. win. Um uh, you know, in a tie game. So didn't didn't happen. Um I don't it went to overtime. I don't recall who won eventually, but it, you know, again it didn't matter. Um and you know, then we ended up winning the series, which is nice. In fact I think we won that in five, I believe. Um so yeah, so obviously home ice was not a factor there, but just, you know, little little fun fact there, you guys remember. So yeah, the long long winded moral of the story is yes, I want that home ice if we can. Get it. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> was can, I, all can I
4: follow up with, I follow sure, that question, ahead. RP, with every? So both teams, both the Rangers and the Devils, both have better road records than home records this season. Essentially, the conversation we're having now is the same conversation that Devils would probably be having right now. So I kind of ask this, which team would rather be on the road more, the Rangers or the Devils?
1: Well, see, to me, that's kind of an unfair question because I think you're going to have plenty. You'll have more Ranger fans at the Rock than you'll have Devil fans at the Garden. And I think when the Rangers and Devils play, it's less about, I, I, other than line changes, it's it's less about home ice. I mean, everything is so close. Travel, it, it's not really road games. I mean, you can see that in a regular season. The playoffs just step it up another notch. I got to tell you, seriously, I don't think either team cares if they're the road team or or the home team favorite in the series. I think both are playing at such a high level now that it's not as much of a factor as we all sitting here are discussing it. I mean, if the Rangers and Chester and play the way they played over this past week, I think the league's going to be in trouble anyway. I think the Rangers are just playing at that level. Despite tonight's loss, because you're not going to win every game and you know, it's always something small like it be, that the difference between a win and a loss, and you hope the Rangers are on the better side of that for the most tonight. I don't think in, in that scenario it's – I don't think either team cares. I don't think it's that much of a deal-breaker if the Devils aren't the home team in the seven-game series up against the Rangers. They've played there so much. The Rangers have played at the Rocks so much. So, Steve, what do you think? I don't think a lot it really of matters – in, in a yeah, lot of sports, I, that's what I was going to ask you. Steve. You've been in, you've been in different sports: basketball, football, baseball, on the road, have. on our home. So you've seen. Yeah, we, you guys have seen a yeah, lot all, more on the road than than I have. You know what I'm saying? So, what, dude, yeah, but is we it that have, much though, like, different in in hockey, though? Do you think which, Do you think hockey has does hockey uh, have what? Does, it does hockey's home ice mean more than football's home team or the NBA's home team—is it—is it overrated? I guess is what I'm asking. It's slightly overrated. Is I,
2: I think. I, here's my theory. I think it's. I think it's slightly overrated in twenty in the 21st century. I think it really meant something more in the 20th century. Because a lot of these players in pro sports across the board, any sport, they're so used to traveling. They're so they, there's no fear or the unknown because of social media. You know exactly what's happening in another city, um, in, in, in an instance. And these players are in their 20s and their 30s. They've seen everything, so I don't think the home ice really makes a big factor, and especially when it comes to Jersey and New York. And I would like to see. Um, how it would be in the 21st century, a series, uh, you know, in 2023 between those two teams. Because it's literally, like, right next door to each other. I mean, it's not even considered a, a right. real, real road game. Like, when I say road game, you got to get on a plane and go somewhere. Uh, Glenn, remember we were talking about that, or you had brought that up as far as where, where the Rangers uh, practice at Lake Placid. Like, right. how, did it, how was the environment back in the 90s? Because that's kind of, as a fan, I want to see how it, is, how it would be now. When it when those two teams face off versus how it was because I you know I was you know in the teens and I remember the series but I don't remember the the intricate parts as far as you know leading up to every game I remember the series but you know but, but we live in a social media driven fans are in touch with players and everything that's happening now that dynamic is just everybody's on top of it now that it was going through the newspapers at the time because everything was through a newspaper at that time where everything is literally. Uh-huh. You could go on right. Ranger Prowl's Twitter, and you know exactly what's going on. You know what I'm saying? So that's how I look at. It. I don't think the the I think it's a little overrated, to be honest. I don't think he's playing like they don't. You know, I don't think they necessarily they would choose to play at home, but they don't fear going on the road. Right. Yeah, yeah
1: I would, I, I I would say the same thing. Yeah, I was go
0: just ahead. gonna say, you know, have, have, having lived through that in the in the 70s and 80s and 90s, I, I think it was far more of a factor back then uh, than it is now. Uh, A lot of it might be social media and the fact that, you know, these players are used to playing in a lot of these rinks and, you know, playing all over the place. But, you know, back in the day, in in the seventies, eighties, even the uh, nineties, there were so many arenas that were just flat out intimidating. Um, You know, places like Boston and and, uh, Chicago um, you know, right. with the smaller rinks, it was a, it was a little bit different game there. Um, you know, other places like Montreal, uh, Philly, even the Garden. Uh, you know, I mean, it, 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 the, the, uh, the crowd was a factor in the game. Um, you know, I mean, I can tell you having been at, at game seven, uh, against Vancouver, um, I have never been in an atmosphere like that in my life. I mean, that was – that started mid-afternoon around the Garden. And, uh, you know, I mean, you guys have seen not just the intensity of the game and and the moment, but, uh, you know, I'm sure you guys have seen uh, uh, the national anthem that uh, John Amarante is singing. You can't even hear him. Uh, So back then I think it was much more of a factor than it is now. Uh, I I, I think it it is – little overrated i I think it still applies in basketball steve you you would know better than i do about that um i think it still applies in basketball and i think it still uh, applies uh maybe not as much as it used to but still applies in football um but i'm not so sure in in hockey um, or in baseball uh that it really matters that much to the players you know it wasn't a fact I
2: was going to say, you know, Carl was on, when, when he the did... man to talk to. He was at a playoff. He was the playoff for for the for the Giants, so he could speak on it directly. Just recently, <laughs> yeah, yeah. actually, ahead. yeah.
4: I mean, I was very comfortable in that building uh, in Minneapolis <laughs> back in January. This, you know, I've done Minneapolis, I've done Green Bay, and at no point was was there an intimidation factor, at least to me. Um, mm-hmm. I think in terms of in the different sports, basketball has the most. Because well, one officiating can play a huge role early on in games, even where maybe there's a you know team, the the home teams ought to be a little bit more aggressive than the road team, foul trouble, all that kind of stuff, maybe they're afraid of you know because the fans are literally right next to you, like literally, you can touch the referee in in a basketball game if you 're a fan, even though you're not supposed to, as opposed to you know when you 're on the rink on the ice like what's going you know the, what are you being intimidated about exactly? You know, you're you're kind of protected and insulated from from the crowd. This isn't, you know, nothing major is going to happen. Probably football is a little bit different, um, it, but it's it's sort of evened itself out much more over time. Um, but I'm thinking back, you know, 10, 11 years ago when these two teams met in the conference final, I remember thinking, because I remember going in that series – I was thinking, boy, you know, the home games at Prudential Center are going to be, you know, de facto Ranger home games, and that wasn't really the case. You know, part, you know, the, that the the if you go back on YouTube and just watch some of the video of that series and some of the highlights of that, the Devils fans actually did a very good job of representing themselves uh, much more than was expected. And of course, you know, the Devils played better than that series, and up winning the game six that you know I thought was going to be like the Messier sort of you know two nothing down win the game you know the third period, but it didn't happen. But that's why even now, as we, you know, we've been sort of putting this in the atmosphere that you know, the Rangers play the Devils in a month, that you know, they're basically going to have seven home games. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think the, the devil fans will be much much re- highly represented in that building and will not feel like the road game that you see in January where it's you know 55, 45. I think it's going to be much more you know much more like a 70, 30, 75, 25 kind of split.
1: All right. Yeah, I, I agree with oh, that. Well, Steve, I'm going to pass this off to you because I got a crash. <laughs> so, all right. The Rick um, podcast four, will raise your four, to the four, RP. Go ahead. Thank you, guys. Yeah, 415 four is just coming too early late for me. So uh, my Oof. final thoughts was tonight was just one game, boys. They've been playing really well. Chef in his back. I think the team is going to gel even more as it goes on and really quick the best fourth line in hockey right now with Matt Goudreau. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, help me, guys. And I, I Even Gallant said he has to find more ice time for them, and that means less ice time for the first and the second line. They were talking about it today on the broadcast. I think when it comes down to playoff hockey, that fourth line is crucial, and those guys are living up to everything they said before the Cane trade and, and all the moves the Rangers made and all. So, uh, you know, keep plugging away. We'll get Carolina Thursday night, big game in Florida on Saturday. So, just keep plugging away, getting ready for the playoffs, get healthy. And uh, I look forward to talking to you guys next Tuesday.
2: All right. Shout-outs to RP. Thank you very much. Let's do things uh, a little different. Hey, Carl, do you like or mind you want to lead the conversation tonight uh, for the rest of this episode, uh, however you want to go with it? Or, you know, have some fun with it.
4: Sure. Why not? Hey, it's first for, first time for everything here, um, so yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind taking the the reins. You know, RP let off with as he said goodbye. There was one thing that I was going to mention that I wanted to bring to you guys tonight, and that was the fact that Igor Shcherbina has been playing absolutely incredible over the last, I would say, six or seven games. And you know, a couple weeks ago when we had sort of this discussion about you know his quote-unquote rut or or struggles and you know, a lot. I think a lot of us sort of sort of made the the point that hey, you know, every goalie goes through this. You know, find any ten game stretch of time, and you will see, you know, a guy not performing to his optimum level. But you see right now, like I, I, the game I think against Pittsburgh on Saturday, independent of the score, like I thought he took Pittsburgh's heart away from them with some of the plays mm-hmm. he was making. So for for everybody to just kind of speak to, you know, when he brings that level of play to the game, just how much it just. Just, just zap some of the energy out of the other team, and maybe we can see. We may not see it, you know, the rest of the way going here. But if you can bring that to a potential first-round playoff series, just how much of a difference that would make.
2: Glenn Scott, either
3: one. Sure. <laughs> Sure, I'll take that. Yeah, um, obviously, you know, with the team gelling uh, at the right time, um, we we were all concerned about Igor, and, you know, he's the key to the whole thing. He is the cornerstone, uh, getting him back to Vezna caliber of last year, and I think he has. And, you know, I want to give all props to Benoit Allaire, our Goaltending coach. I don't know why this guy like is. I mean, I mean, fantastic that he's been the Rangers' goaltending coach for 17 years. I don't know why he's not trying to get something bigger. But thank God he's not, Um, because you know he fixed everything with RP that pointed out like weeks ago that you know he could tell the positioning was off. I I I didn't have that keen of an eye. I couldn't tell what Igor was doing wrong, other than just letting pucks in. Um, And uh, he apparently has uh, has worked on that. And the last couple games, he's been fantastic. Um, so it looks like uh, he has fixed them. So uh, you know, got to give all props to uh, to Benoit Allaire. You know, this is the guy that you you know turned you know Valaket Cam Talbot, um, you know Georgiev, like you know these these guys like like we we've always had such a great one two combo. And here Halak, you know Halak started off terrible. Um, you know, same, same with Georgiev. You know, they both had uh, you know terrible first half of the year. Halak turned it around a lot quicker. But um, you know, they, they both did and 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 you know, you know, this guy could turn anybody into a phenomenal goaltender and you know, can tell us and even Lundquist had his problems um you know, that, that he had to rely on, uh, on on you know, this coach to, to fix. So it, it's amazing that some of the best goaltenders in the world that we've had, um, uh, you know, can still get fixed by our goaltending coach. It's it's fantastic. So uh, both of them, um uh, he and Igor, yeah, absolutely Spectacular news that uh, Igor appears to be fixed. So uh, very happy about that. Also, while we're giving out uh, accolades, I guess uh, just the whole fourth line uh, in general. Uh, you know, Tyler Mott with his third goal in four games. The fourth line has scored five goals in six games. You know, uh, Mott's three. Goodrow had one. I think in the Pittsburgh loss, the OT loss, and uh, VC had one. I wrote it down, but I can't tell. It's too dark uh, somewhere in the somewhere in between those games. VZ had one as well. So uh, it's good to see the fourth line get in production. Um, You know, can't stress enough how Pampas Fourth Line just owned ours last year. Um, You know, I I love Ryan Reeves when he was here. He he served a a major vital role of uh, instilling toughness all throughout the lineup, and he did that. So, you know, God bless Ryan Reeves. You'll be missed. But, on the other hand, when Ryan Reeves was on the ice, you guys, you're you just not scoring a goal. <laughs> Your line is just not scoring a goal when Ryan Reeves is on the ice. And the fourth line, in addition to banging bodies, has to be able to uh, set up, you know, get the occasional goal. And it's nice that we're getting some production out of them. They look good together. It's a great fourth line. So, um, the fourth line, uh, Igor and Benoit Allaire are my uh, – my heroes of the day. I'll uh, I'll give up the floor to someone else, and then I'll get to my villains next time around. <laughs> well, let, well, let's
4: yeah. let's go to Glenn on that. Glenn, if you could speak to um, the Shisterkin thing, and also, um, it was mentioned on Saturday during the game that the coach, you know, when when Kane was acquired, Glenn, there was thought that it was going to be sort of Kane and Panarin on the same line, but the coach yep. talked to the broadcast crew and made mention that he liked Kane with Kreider. And Trocheck instead, as as the, because of the fact that uh, Kreider was much more straight ahead as opposed to east and west, and he liked that combination of the line. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that line has also been performing
0: recently? Yeah, Carl. Actually, that was something I did want to uh, mention tonight. Uh, when uh, you know, when Kane first got here, and uh, you know, he was on a line with Panarin for a couple of games, and you know, I, I think. We all kind of hoped that, wow, wouldn't it be great if they, you know, really uh, recapture what they had in Chicago and, and uh, you know, it would just be a nice story. Um, but obviously they were looking for each other a bit too much. There was too much East-West going on. Um, and, uh, you know, I, 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 as much as I would have liked to have seen it work with them together, uh, I think Gallant taking Kane off that line, uh, were or moving Panarin up worked well. Uh, because I think that second line that you got with Trocek and Kreider and Kane, I mean, obviously, you got Kane who can score, uh, but he really sees himself more as a playmaker. Uh, you've got Kreider who can score, and you've got Trocek who's been really hot, uh, since that line got put together as well. So, I mean, I think the construction of that line is what you would want to see if you're trying to put together. Uh, a, a line with complementary talents, um, and I think with moving Panarin up then on that line with Tarasenko and Zabarnyaj, you got kind of the same thing. You got Panarin, who can score, but he's more of a playmaker. You got Tarasenko, who uh, is shoot first and ask questions later, and obviously you got Mika, who can do both. So uh, you know, as much as we wanted to see maybe the the Panarin Kane connection work. Uh, I think if you really look at it logically and look at it in terms of, of, uh, you know, talent composition on each line, um, I, I think what they've got now what Kalantos put together now has been working. And I think it's going to continue to work. And uh, as I had said a couple of weeks ago, now uh, with the third line as well, even though producing as much as we'd like to see, although uh, Kaka got the goal tonight and, uh Hedel got a goal uh and then Lafreniere scored uh earlier on so you know it, if they're not producing they're still uh providing a lot of energy um they're uh you know giving the the top two lines a rest because they can be out there for a full uh you know play play a no, a, a, a good amount of minutes um so that the uh the time on ice for all the different lines is spread out well Uh, And I think this team now is, as I said, as somebody had mentioned earlier uh, with Carolina, if you're going to take out one line, it's a, it's a little bit of a matchup nightmare because it's like, who do you, who do you take out? And as we've seen with this team, uh, a different line can be in the spotlight uh, every night. So, I mean, it may be, you know, for an opposing coach kind of having to say, you know, I can't look at a seven game series and say, this is the line that I want to stop because uh, one of the other lines could burn you and you may have to change up mid game to uh, you know to compensate for whatever line is hot that night so i 'm um, very encouraged with uh, you know what i 've seen from the top three lines that obviously you got to love the fourth line i mean if they uh, if they aren 't the best fourth line in the NHL right now uh, they're they 're certainly pretty close and, and I think that 's the kind of line that you want to uh, you know, to go into the playoffs. you got Goudreau who can give you, you know, the odd goal, and VZ, you know, can too, although, God, VZ with the chances he's gotten this year, he should have about 30. Um, And uh, here you got Mott scoring three goals in four games. So uh, I think this team is very well constructed right now, and with Igor back where, uh, you know, we were hoping he would get to, um, I think this team is going to be, you know, Look, there's going to be a couple of really good teams that are going to be out after the first round, and the Rangers could be one of them. But uh, I think they have as good a chance as anyone to, uh, you know, win a round or two or maybe even get to the finals. So uh, I'm very encouraged, and, uh, you know, I like the way the team is playing right now and the way it's constructed.
4: I absolutely agree, you know, Glenn, because right now, you know, you just look at – how, when, you, when, in terms of just deployment, you know, if you're looking at, you know, potential first-round series. Now, tonight, tonight's game is. We're not going to use that as an example, but let's just say in the preparation, you know, the opposing coach, whether it's the Jersey coach or whether it's the Carolina coach, has to go in and say, okay, one of these lines is not going to beat me. It's kind of equivalent. Remember last year during the Pittsburgh series when the the Crosby. Gensel and uh, who was the third gentleman that was on that on that line were for about, about a three-game maybe? period, it might have been, for like a three-game period where it was just so overwhelming mm-hmm. that it, it looked like the Rangers had no answers f- for them until Crosby got hurt. You know, yep. it was like that that kind of impact on the game and we haven't seen really that, at least on our side, for a very long time so to be able to see a potential situation developing where the Rangers might have, you know, we'll find out when, when the playoffs start. You know, when it, when perhaps one of those two lines will be so overwhelming that the resources that the opposing coach is going to have to deploy just to stop them would then open things up, you know, for, for mm-hmm. everybody else. So we'll see how it plays out. Let me ask Steve this question. You know, Steve, Ryan Lindgren came back tonight, and then I believe it was in the second period, It may or mm-hmm. maybe at the end of the first, he had to leave for the locker room. Uh, He eventually came back. Um, It is my concern that I don't believe he's going to be able to go through the next three months just straight through here without missing some time. I I just feel like there's just been there's something in the you know he's just had a bunch of nicks and and just things going on, and I'm concerned that he is not going to be able to you know go the full um the full length of, of this journey with us, you know, this playoff year. If I subtract him in any way from the lineup, do you look at the team in terms of their ability to win the sixteen that they need differently?
2: Yes. Because the domino effect with him being paired with Fox, that changes how Fox wants to go and attack, or the the game plan that they're going to use as far as from the defenseman perspective. Um, So let me ask you this. So the answer to your question, let me ask you this as far as how you want to treat Ryan Linger for the rest of the season. First of all, I don't know the status of his injury after this game. So if you guys know that, please fill me in. But yeah, as far as him going out in that second period, um, to me it's about being as healthy as you can so you could try to get the 16 in the playoffs. Right. So, so let's say, let's assume he is hurt. He's he's some sort of, some sort of injury. Let me ask you guys this. How do you want to play Ryan Lindgren, even if it is so-called day to day? He had like, like Scott said, like he's had like the longest day to day since Randy Orton in WWE in the 2000s, man. Like, you know, (laughs) let's, that's, um, <laughs> I would say I would not even play Man Carolina this upcoming game. If you like, – yeah. like the Rangers can't improve their position, right? And they can't necessarily lose unless they really fall out, right? How would you like to use or get him back into the forward chemistry for the rest of the season? Or do you want to? And that's my question for everybody. Carl, if you want to answer that. I would play
4: him every other game the rest of the way. Of the eleven games, I would play him in five and feel very comfortable with him then being able to proceed. I just don't think you know now maybe it's just also the style of play that he you know, he's you know, he's giving uh-huh. it his all. You know, he's he, you know what he is? He's Dan Girardi of the twenty twenty era.
2: Right. Uh-huh. He uh-huh.
4: He's just gonna he's gonna have a style of play that's just gonna unfortunately put himself in in situations where he's just going to get beaten up and he's not going to be able to, you know, it's sad to just say he's not going to be able to overcome it. But, you know, with Girardi, it got to a point where the injuries just piled up to the point where it took away from how good he actually was for that that good five-year period of time. You know, you Mm -hmm. see how Truba's able to manage himself and Keon Jamil is able to manage himself, and you see Fox, but Lindgren seems to be the one that's standing out here, especially this year. And I'm, uh, not as much, well, a little bit last year, but not as much. But you just see sort of a, a cumulative effect that's going on here. And when you have, especially right now, and, you know, of course the salary cap situation is such where perhaps they may not be able to just bring, have somebody just come up and, and take some of the minutes, or maybe – you know, maybe they go with you know a couple you know bring in Harper and 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 have Miko you know take some more of these minutes the rest of the way. But I I need to lower his deployment in some form or fashion, or just simply not play him in all of these games. Because I let's put it I know this. We get to the last three games of the season, and things are pretty much lock stop and barrel. I know if the coach has has sense, the coach is probably not going to play him at all anyway. So. It's just kind of getting from now until basically 12 days from now,
1: essentially.
4: Mm-hmm. And I'll let you guys take from, take take that from there.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good way to go. I mean, I was actually going to say after tonight, uh, seeing him get a little banged up, like give him another week off, bring Harper back in. Uh, but maybe doing it every other game might be the best way to go because, you know, there are certain guys like him Uh, like Tyler Mott. I mean, Tyler Mott skates to the bench hunched over about five times a game, doesn't he? Um, (laughs) Happened tonight
2: again,
0: yes. Am I right? Uh, I mean, so, you know, there's certain guys that play a a style uh, and Lindgren being one of them where, you know, he's going to pick up his share of bumps and bruises as the playoffs go on. So I want him 100% uh, for game one of the playoffs. And I don't want to fool around with it either. I'm not worried about uh he and fox losing chemistry over the next two or three weeks uh if he plays intermittently or you know they give him a little more time off I think tonight if if i'm if I'm correct, I think it was the other shoulder. It looked like he was favored the left shoulder tonight, and I think it was the right shoulder that uh had him out so I think it was a different i think it was a different shoulder, but again, he's the type of guy that he's gonna pick up more than enough bumps and bruises during the playoffs as it is. Um, and I would, uh, I'd be real careful, uh, between now and the start of the playoffs, since I was gallant, uh, about his deployment. Uh, and if he's got to sit him out intermittently, or he sits him out the last couple of games before the playoffs, or he gives him a week off now, whatever it is, I won't have a problem with that. They, they did quite well with Harper in the lineup. Uh, and I think that would, especially since, you know, as we're saying, they're not going to drop, they're not going to move up, they're kind of where they are. So, uh, and they've got some games coming up. Washington, they've got a game with Columbus. They've got a game with Buffalo that's imploding. Uh, I think there's enough games on the schedule that we don't have to worry about them picking up enough points to, to remain in third place. So I would be real careful with him right now. Uh, the other guys, that, like I said, Kane looks real comfortable, Tarasenko. And, you know, I'd play those because you want to let them continue to develop that chemistry. But I'm not worried about uh, Fox and Lindgren using that they know each other too well.
4: You know, t- to your point, uh, Glenn, as I'm looking at the, the schedule here, uh, after they play Carolina Thursday, they have a day off before Florida Saturday, two days off before they play Columbus. That would be the rest day I would give him myself. Then mm-hmm. another day off before a back-to-back uh, against the Devils in Buffalo. So if you kind of play this out, Let's say you rest him th- – you know what? He might be good enough to play Thursday. Let's just hypothetically say that. So he would give, If if I was deploying it, I would give him Thursday and let him play if he says he's good, and then I would rest him the next two games after that and play him the next Thursday. So basically, he mm-hmm. would basically get a full week off right there mm-hmm. um, and then kind of play it the rest of the, because I'm looking at the last week of the season. They're playing St. Louis on a back-to-back, Columbus on a Saturday. Those are two games you can mm-hmm. take off. And then by that point, everything is going to be kind of locked up in that final week when they play two games in five days. So you would yep. give him, you know, essentially another 10 days if you play it out that way from mm-hmm. April the 5th through the postseason. You, I mean, you probably have to get him in one game just to, you know, get yeah. him into, into game shape. But there, there is opportunity in the schedule to pull this off if they so yep. choose to deploy him that way.
0: Yep, I agree.
4: Scott, what do you got
3: on that?
0: Uh, I think
2: no, Scott wants uh, to find I, another key well, Yeah, no,
3: I got it. What, what I couldn't get was uh, a
1: <laughs> swipe.
3: To, I, I couldn't get the swipe menu to come down on the phone so I could unmute it. It's just like my thumb was not. I don't know. My phone. was – I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I think I think we can go out on a limb and say the Rangers cannot get caught. They cannot become a wild card at this at this point. I looked at like uh, there were. The only legitimate threat was was Pittsburgh, and and we blew them out of the water. and that's, that's not a legitimate threat anymore. The Islanders, I looked at the numbers uh, yesterday, and I think I think the Rangers would have to go like five and seven, and the Islanders go twelve and zero to catch them. So realistically speaking, we're not going lower. So that's guaranteed. So that's good news if they wanted to uh, uh, consider. Given these guys a rest and yes Martin Lindgren definitely they can use As much time as possible and you know, I want. I don't want anybody to get rusty, uh, you know, Lindgren. I, I don't think it was bad tonight, but, uh, you know, they still let him and Fox get that chemistry back together uh, that's been lacking for, like, 12 games. And, yes, Ben Harper had filled in, and, and these guys held their own. Mikolas stepped up, uh, got a lot more playing time and a lot more of a bigger role than he should have had, if not for Lindgren. And, um, you know, he – Took some sloppy penalties, but uh, definitely got better as time went on. Again, that was a new role for him too. So uh, kudos to him. And um, yeah, so without getting rusty, um, the fact that we cannot go any lower than we are. But I want to play right now. I still want to play. low. you know. I'm going to stick with my uh, you know stick to my guns about what I said earlier on the call about how I would like to get to that number two if possible. The division is. Still within range, but I think it's about as realistic for us as Pittsburgh or the Islanders catching us. You know, I, maybe a little more within reach, but I don't. Um, I, I don't think that's. I'm going to chalk the uh, the division up as gone, but definitely not that two seed. I think that two points is such a big difference, and we have the Devils uh, again. Um, but if that becomes out of reach And it looks like we're locked in third No higher, no lower Then, uh, yeah, as much rest as possible For, you know, for pretty much all the guys You know, spread it around uh, Definitely spread it around But, yeah, let uh, let Mott Mott absolutely earned himself A good, solid three, four days in bed <laughs> And, uh, you know, Lindgren Let him get some, uh, uh, you know Get back in the groove And then, by all means, put him right back on the bench For a game uh, down the stretch He is a, He is a precious metal is what he is he is he's he the hope diamond and you know you just don't want to drop it and shatter it it does he's an absolute tank but he does he does get hurt uh you know quite often unfortunately a little more often than we would like so yeah as much rest as possible without going the rust route if we are locked in third right now i still want second
4: Absolutely, you know the Rangers are up ten points on the Islanders in the in the race for third slash the first wild card spot with ten games to go. Yeah, I mean, I'm basically, yeah, the Rangers would basically have to have like the all time collapse for this to even yeah. even come into play. So, you know, I, I don't <laughs> think it's much a factor. You know, sure. probably. You know, one last one last thing. I, I guess we can. One last thing I wanted to bring up tonight, uh, gentlemen. Um, I don't know if you guys had heard about this. Uh, a couple of days ago, uh, the QMJHL uh, from the Ontario, uh, uh, the Quebec uh, Hockey League, is going to ban fighting effective next season. Ah, it. And,
2: hmm.
4: and I was wondering if you guys had caught this. Um, and they have been trying to do this for a couple of years, but they're going to implement this in in the start of next season. And this has led, in, in, especially in Canada, there's been some discussion about this, and maybe, maybe even in the States uh, on a l- lesser level, as to the role of, of fighting in the game. You know, there are some leagues that ban it, and then, of course, we know in the NHL that it exists. And I do, I'm actually for this, 100%. Um, I don't know what you guys think. I'll throw it out to everybody. It, it just seems, at least to me, that a lot of times, when we discuss the NHL, we almost rarely discuss the great games, the great goals, and the great play, but we seem to talk a lot more about the hitting that may be leading to you know injuries or the fights that take place. Just go on YouTube and like type compare like a great goal to a, a hockey fight, and you'll probably see far more views of the fight than you would of the goal. And just for the just for the health of the sport, I wanted to throw that out there tonight to see what you guys think of that. Because it plays off the discussion that we had last week about growing the game. And I feel like we need to kind of evolve in terms of the sport.
0: Well, well that's a I
3: have 100% – what's that? Go ahead, Scott. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I just kind of grabbed the reins there. (laughs) Um, I am 100% in favor of fighting in the sport. Absolutely. And we were talking last week about what separates hockey from other sports. Fighting is definitely one of them. Uh, there's a culture. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie goon. Uh, yes, it is a ridiculous comedy, but it's, it's, it's a fantastic movie, uh, highly underrated. And it's all about the hockey fighting culture, and just the respect that these guys have. Um, You know, like the unwritten rules, stay within your weight class, only fight when uh, somebody's, uh, you know, only when they accept it, you know, you don't really jump the days of like, you know, the the, the Broad Street bullies and the jumping people, that's pretty much over. Um, So... You, you know, it's definitely cleaned up to the point where the fights are, are so rare these days that they're uh, that they're that much of a, you know even better. But I, I, I still think it has a, a part of the game. Um, it, it's the only sport in which this is one of the things that separates hockey from the other sports. It's the only sport where it serves a purpose. Again, if you you know it's a different game. Yes, it's a lot cleaner uh, and and a lot less fighting, but it's a lot more physical. Like you said, we, we, uh, Carl, we, we we talk about the hit you know, we're all about the hits. It's just a physical game. You know, you can't, you know, finesse like a like an '80s Oilers team is not going to win the Stanley Cup anymore. You know, you 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 know the, the Bruins are a perfect example of what it takes. Uh, you know, obviously they're. Just perfect in every aspect of the game, but you need a team that can, that, that can bang the boards, you know, uh, that was one of the things that the Kings did to us in 2014. Um, you know, we had leads in all those games and they just hit the crap out of the Rangers. They, you know, finishing their checks, they just wore them down. And before you know it, they're back in the game and tied it and, and winning it in overtime. So, um, I, I absolutely think the fighting still has a, a part of the game as long as the etiquette is, uh, is met. You know, you know, what the, the perfect example, um, there was a fight maybe like 10 years ago. I'll see if find finding out. i want to say with paul bissonette um of, of arizona and somebody else And the two drop their gloves and the one guy looks down he's right over where his glove is he's like it's like right between his legs and the other guy looks at him with his hands up and and stops and he points down to his feet he lets the guy look down kick the glove away they move three feet to the left you know and a little Mm -hmm. nod a little nod and then they go they beat the crap out of each other like like how that's just beautiful you know that's poetry Mm -hmm. right there two guys about to beat the hell out of each other hold on hold you're gonna trip over that okay now we're good let's go like like, that's just the etiquette right there and stuff like that is really brought out in the movie goon if anybody hasn't seen it, it's a hilarious movie um it's just all about the fighting culture, and I think it, it it's part of the game. And as long as you have guys like Panarin and guys like Brad Marchand and Tom Wilson, uh, you're gonna have. If these guys are gonna collide on the ice, you're gonna have to have fighting as a deterrent. Uh, otherwise, it's gonna be open season on on your finesse guys. That's the way it's always been. I think uh, mm-hmm. it's the way it's always gonna be. I want to keep I want to mm-hmm. keep fighting in the game.
2: I'll be real quick. I'll be real quick. Uh, Then we'll go to Glenn and then get final thoughts. Um, I'm not necessarily for that change. Um, The culture change, I mean, I want to know the motive behind it. And I understand that committee, the board board of directors and the committee, want to figure out sanctions and certain types of punishments to make it Truly, like you know finalizing as f- far as what happens when fighting does occur, but that, that's what that sport is particularly all about. I'm, sometimes change is good, and sometimes change is not good. I don 't see how hockey or fighting in hockey is necessarily a bad thing. You know it, that's just what men do. You know, sometimes men go on, you know they play, they play a game, it gets physical. Sometimes you just have to duke it out, and they've been doing it for decades, 100 years. I don't necessarily have an issue with the fighting. Um, it's more so with, you know, you know, dirty hits. Those are the, the, the issues I have with any sport. Um, but it's pretty much if they set the precedent of fighting is banned, what is the uh, WHO going to do? What is other junior leagues going to do? Will it reach up into, let's say, the collegiate ranks or even the, the professional eventually? So I think that's kind of more of how I'm seeing the story as it is because if this happens in this circuit, how is it going to eventually flow across the other circuits and other leagues across the world? And uh, we can go to Glenn on that.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of old school on that as well, but I guess I'm, I'm a little more evolved, old school. Um, I remember the days of the Big Bad Bruins and uh, uh, John McKenzie and uh, and those guys and, and obviously the Broad Street Bullies. And, you know, I mean, that was, that was a little ridiculous. Um, you know, I mean, and I think it kept the popularity of hockey down because it was looked at as, you know, beneath a major league sport. Um, and I think as they started to get fighting out of the game, now I remember I, I think it was – 1989 or 1990 um when uh, uh detroit was coming into the garden and the back page of the papers were all about the heavyweight bout that was coming up at the garden tonight between ty domi and bob probert uh it wasn't about the game it was about the uh the heavyweight fight that was coming up as if it was ali frazier um but um i think it still has a place in the game i think that uh, as scott mentioned it it keeps uh Keeps players, the the tougher players maybe, the more aggressive players from uh, taking liberties with with some of the skilled players, Um, the the amount of fighting, you you don't see fights very much anymore. Um, I think most of the time when you do, it's between two guys that fight, Um, you know, that that's uh, what they do. I saw him last week, uh, and I forget who it was, but it was Ryan Reeves. It was a young kid. Uh, who wanted to take on In Ryan Arizona. Reeves. And, and it was Arizona. Okay, you saw that. And, I mean, they kind of danced around the ring for about a minute and a half, it seemed like. Uh, <laughs> and, the, and then the the kid went after him, and Ryan Reeves kind of grabbed him and, like, uh, wrestled him to the ground, and that was the end of it. So there is kind of a gentleman's agreement where, you know, Ryan, Ryan Reeves could have kicked the hell out of this kid, um, but he didn't do it. Um, the, so I think that You know, most of the fights that you see these days are not uh, a fighter uh, picking on somebody who doesn't really fight that often. Um, But I think there still is a place in the game for it. uh, And and sometimes fights calm things down in a game. Sometimes, you know, games get a little chippy. Guys are, you know, elbows and sticks and everything. and, And sometimes a fight calms things down. So as long as it doesn't get crazy like it did, you know, back in the old days... Um, I think there's still, you know, a place for it. The one thing that I would like to see them do something about is what we've seen, obviously, uh, with Truba a couple of times this year where, you know, he throws a clean, hard hit and then somebody comes flying after him. Um, You know, I would like to see, um, you know, again, I guess on the one hand, uh, he's kind of trying to protect his player. Uh, You know, if a guy throws a hard, clean hit, it's a hard, clean hit. I mean, it's not something that, I think you need to, you know, start a fight about So I would like to maybe see the penalty increase uh, for guys to do that, to maybe to get that a little bit out of the game. But uh, for the most part, you don't see fights that much. I think it's at uh, an okay, acceptable level, uh, and mostly among the guys that brawl. So uh, I wouldn't want to see it taken out either.
4: So right now this league um, has had a penalty for the last three years where – not only is it a five-minute major for fighting, but it's also like 10-minute misconduct. So right. in a 60-minute game, you're basically giving up 25% of the game just to fight. Right. You know, and, and when you think about it in sort of a larger context here, and we'll close it out with this um, before we go to final thoughts, You know, when the league is, sending, is doing these marketing videos, like right now there's an NHL 94 commercial that they've been kind of been running. I don't know if you've had a chance to see it. Uh, recently, I have it on ESPN+, Plus because that's where I see it. Um, and a lot of it is just showing, you know, the current players basically kind of video-gamed up to that generate. Unfortunately, what you don't see in any of these marketing uh, things for the league are fights. It doesn't, yeah. You don't see them anywhere. You know, and it's weird. It's something we talk about a lot between us, but the league does not put that out there as marketing material to attract anyone. And that mm-hmm. should tell you something, is that for something that we say is, is an integral part of the game, the fact that the league won't even promote it is something that, you know what, if the league, I'll tell you this right now, if, if ESPN and TNT gave the NHL $1 billion tomorrow and said, hey, we'll give you this billion dollars, but you need to take fighting out of the game with the NHL bite, I think they would.
0: Well, well that's a lot fee, of money
4: absolutely. to tear down but saying, for a league starving for money right now. You saw that stuff the story the other day that came about how the cap's only gonna go up about a million bucks because of this fight with the, the players in the in the league about escrow and all this other stuff. If you told me right if the league was told right now you can get an extra billion dollars in television rights fees, but you need to take fighting out of the game, they take it out tonight.
2: Absolutely, yeah, I agree with
0: that. <laughs> Oh yeah but uh, but the league has but, but they they won't market it call, but they don't outlaw it either, and you know the league You're has right. always had a kind of an uncomfortable romance with fighting um where uh you know they they kind of try to keep it on the down low and they don't really want to you know like you say promote it or make a big deal out of it, but they also won't outlaw it, so like I said, there's always always been a, a unique kind of relationship with the league and fighting. All
2: right. Uh, we could go to final thoughts. Uh, Carl, shout-outs to you on that. Uh, you can lead the way, Carl, on the final thoughts. That's cool.
4: Yeah, just, you know, hey, listen, this is a, another great conversation. On, on a night in which, you know, we thought it was going to be a victory at about the 10-minute uh, mark of the third period that eventually devolved into something else. Um, but, hey, listen, you know, the Rangers are playing well right now. There's really not a whole lot to complain about at all. I mean, you really got to struggle. To, to to find some stuff, but I guess on Rangers Twitter, RP could probably talk about this more than I can. Yeah, you know, maybe they're complaining about you know uh, somebody. Well, so there's always a whooping voice somewhere. So <laughs> hey, we got we've got. By the time I think we talk next week, the game is, is against <laughs> Columbus on Tuesday.
2: Yeah, we'll be at two weeks, two weeks, bye week next week. Bye oh, week. two weeks. We got a bye week next week. Okay. Yeah, two weeks. We'll week. two weeks. Uh, so that'll be think, a Buffalo Thank game. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, shout out to Carl uh Glenn or Scott, real quick on a, a minute or two on our final thoughts
0: hey, Scott oh. okay, um
3: I had something relevant actually when you guys were uh are talking about like t v money and whatnot. I actually have an epic rant uh about the n h l marketing department. Yes, I'm not done with them yet, um just getting started on them. But it's pretty long-winded, so I will save it for the next time. And I guess I'll (laughs) use my final thoughts to point out that uh, Alex Ovechkin got his 40th this year tonight uh so I was doing the math he's 75 away so if he doesn't score at all for the rest of this year which he will of course but if he doesn't score at all for the next 10 games he needs 38 followed by 37 uh so it's really starting to shape up and I think he's got 10 games left if he can get five in those 10 games making it even 35 and 35 then uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, we, you know we're officially going to be uh, you know on code red alert to look out for that record falling. I'm pretty excited. I really hope he yeah. I really hope he does. Yep. So that's what I got tonight.
0: Well, j- just to follow up, Scott. That is a record that I never thought I would see broken. So, yeah. Exactly. Uh, so kudos kudos to Alex Oveskin who uh, um, I I would take over Sidney Crosby every day of the week. So. There's that. Uh, but for my final thoughts, I want to divert a little bit away from hockey. Uh, and uh, Steve, I'm sure you'll be talking about this on the uh, Nick podcast. Is uh, rest in peace, Willis Reed. Um, I remember that uh, 1970 uh, Game 7 win against the Lakers. Uh, if you guys can believe it, that game was not on TV. Uh, it was not on ABC, or there was no ESPN, or there was nothing. That game was not on. Uh, I remember listening to it on the radio uh, with Marv Albert. And uh, the game was, if I remember correctly, broadcast like at at 1130 or midnight that night, um, you know, after the game. There were blackouts and and everything else. So um, it was a much different world back then uh, as far as the NBA goes. But uh, one of the the great Knicks of all time and the great players of all time uh, who passed away today at the age of 80, Willis Reed. So rest in peace. All
2: right, shots to gun. Yeah, we're actually uh talking about that tomorrow at six thirty PM Eastern. Uh Chris is definitely gonna say a lot about that on Willis Reed, so feel free to hear the playback or call in at six thirty PM Eastern, uh on that Willis Reed episode on the knickerbocker Avenue fan forum. Um, two things. Oh one on the hockey, um uh, Nathan McKinnon is just a special player, a guy who's been out all those guy uh, all those games and still is top five in points. Uh, unbelievable, man! Just 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 a, just a, a machine. Uh, Jason Robertson of the Stars. I know, Carl. You've seen a lot of him play. Uh, he's a fantastic player. You know, in that Western uh-huh. Conference, and see how that Central Division is going to play out. Uh, now that the Avalanche is say, all right, we're, we're tired of uh, the teams, you know, the Stars and um, and the Wild in our way. They're just going to. They're gonna, I think they're going to come back and come out Out of the West, I don't see why not um, You guys touched on uh, Ovechkin, and that, that's just sick Man, like, all those goals after all These years, and he's still doing that at a high level is just amazing, and, and Scott will be On watch as far as goal goals But, uh yeah, I mean, as far as around the league, we already know it's just the same old with the uh, top, you know, the guys on the Edmonton guys are just leading, you know, with, with all the scoring, but that's all they got. Let's it, it, give kudos to Mika's advantage Zabinajad, man, after, especially after the Derrick Brizard trade years ago. He's cracked into the top 10 in, in gold. You know, he's been on a hot streak, and we've got a severe, a, a severe return on investment on him, man. It's happy to have mm-hmm. him. Uh, and then uh, and back in, we'll be back in two weeks. Uh, next week, no episode. We'll be back in two weeks, and we'll finish off the uh, rest of the regular season. Um, oh, yeah, one more thing. Carl, I, if I could defer to you real quick, um, n- different non-sport. Listen, man, Otani's the best ba- baseball player in the world. Uh, they finished off the United That's States. Um, best, play- I think he's probably the best player. I've, I haven't seen him in person yet. I plan on it. Best player I ever seen on TV in my lifetime. My lifetime. I don't know how I can speak for anybody else, but how do you 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 hit a double? You're down in the game versus Mexico. You hit the double to get started to to, to make the comeback against Mexico, and you literally are Mariano Rivera and you strike out your teammate Mike Kraut to finish off the United States. That's fucking unbelievable, if you ask me. I don't know. I don't know if you guys saw it just now. <laughs> you can't make this. I had anymore.
4: it on in the screen. I had it on on the side here your th- um, as that was playing your out. Thought,
2: your thoughts on that? Um, or Glenn and Scott, if you want to chime in on that because you guys are baseball guys. But, uh, oh, my goodness. I just can't even fathom that,
4: yo. I don't want to be over-exaggerative when I say this. He is the best individual athlete in any sport today. To have the ability to perform as an offensive player the way he does. Which on its own would get him paid about twenty-five or thirty million dollars a year, maybe more than that, just on its own. And also to be able to pitch the way he's able to pitch as well, which would get him paid $40 dollars a year. Like nobody in think about in any sport, you know, maybe all right, this side of LeBron James in his prime, you know, to be able to do the multifaceted work that he's able to do, that is almost unheard of, is exquisite.
2: He's a creator player. He's a cre- he's a video game creator player. Like you, this is yeah. a fucking video game shit.
0: Glenn Scott, yeah. you, you
2: want to chime in on that or? Yeah, yeah, no, you, you know,
0: want? I I I I would agree. I mean, you know, I I go back <laughs> to guys like you know Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, those guys, but they played one side of the ball. Um, you got me thinking of guys like Bo Jackson and Dion Sanders, who you know played two sports, uh, and they were outstanding football players, but you know, I mean, Bo Jackson was okay as a baseball player and Dion was okay as a baseball player. They weren't that great. Um, but when, when you look at, at what he's doing um, you know, just day in and day out. Uh, and again, being on the angels, I haven't seen much of him uh, on in person or on TV, uh, but you see what he's doing. And I mean, nobody in the sport has done anything like that excelled uh, on both sides of the ball. Uh, except Dave Ruth, so yeah, it's really hard to argue that he may not, if not anything, if not be the best baseball player, be the best athlete uh, around today. So yeah, I mean, having having not seen him a lot, uh, but just hearing about his exploits, I, I would have to agree.
4: You know, it's weird, Glenn. To close it out. You know, when you're a kid, you know, you're 12 years old. You're you know developing as a, let's say a baseball player. You you, probably, you know you learn how to you know hit maybe. Maybe even pitch. Maybe you get to yeah. high school. You're probably already a, a position player or a pitcher, or maybe even when you get to college. But at a certain point, you have to make that you know choice. You're either going to exactly. be a full time pitcher, or you're going to be a full
0: time he hitter. Works.
1: He's
4: <laughs> this guy's been <laughs> able to do both, and he's 26 years old. This is insane. I mean,
0: he when you think that he could make the Hall of Fame. I mean, obviously he's still young in his career, but when you think that he could make the Hall of Fame as either a pitcher or a hitter, that really um, says something. And it, it, just
2: think about it like this, Glenn. And just the fact you have these, you know, m- grown men who are trying to make the major league, you know, like in the double A, single A, triple A, Boston, you know, blood, sweat, and tears just to make the major. And he's doing it literally effortlessly. Both pitching and hitting. It's, it's, Carl, I'll go back to you, and then we'll close out. Because I remember what, last September, Carl, we, uh, I had this conversation and arguing with these idiot Yankee fans. So I, shout out to the idiot Yankee fans. Because when, when when Aaron Judge was on his way to the the MVP and the home run record and all that, I even said then he's not – Otani is the best, best baseball player, even though Judge is going to get the MVP. And, and this is why. This is why. You don't understand. This is the difference. When you're on a team that's terrible, but you know Judge hitting all those home runs and you're you you cruise through a you know a first place. I'm I'm objective to know what I'm seeing. Like I, it's easy to say, oh yeah, Judge is you know he's dominating it rightfully so. But Judge is not giving you a. He's not going in there like Mariano Rivera or John Franco or Lee Smith or Dennis Eckersley <laughs> and closing out the game. He's just not, and that's a big difference.
4: The le- the league changed its rules last year to allow him to stay in the game and pitch while he was no or to allow him to stay in the game and hit while he was still pitching. I believe that's how it went because originally
0: mm-hmm.
4: when he first came in, when he first came up into the league when he would pitch and you know you get to that sixth inning where you you know you get to that point in the lineup where you had to take him he would have to leave games early, but they changed the rules to allow him to continue to hit like. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> This doesn't happen for anybody else. This is, this is wild.
3: Yeah, I, I
2: got to get on Twitter uh, and, and I have to talk about this. Uh, thank you, guys. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks. One more thing. This is, uh, Carl, I don't know your opinion, and Glenn or Scott. This is the real World Series, not that A-O-N-O crap we see every year. Japan literally had to fly halfway around the world to close out the United States. That's a real world series. I'm a fan of this shit. I don't know how you guys feel about it. I know we just bombarded RP's well, end of this episode I'm, with baseball, but that's that's my thought. I love the WBC. I loved it.
3: Uh, your guys' thoughts. Well,
2: I'll defer to Glevin. Well, I'll up. defer
4: to Glenn and Scott, and then I'll follow up at the end.
0: Steve, I'm a
3: mess fan. I'm a Mets fan, so I don't know what the World Series is like, uh, so I'm going to have to take your word for it on that. Uh, yeah, I guess this is the closest thing I get to a World Series as a Mets fan, so you are have yeah, no argument here. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, it's different in baseball than it is, say, uh, you know, in hockey where they'd have the World Cups and things like that, which is basically the same thing. Uh, but, uh, you know, hockey fans would watch it, but, uh, you know, nobody else I don't think really would watch it. This, I think, a lot of the country was watching, Um, and, um, you know, you you see the the ratings, the TV ratings, and how can you argue with it? Incredibly popular, Um, and you're right. I mean, if if you take it literally, the World Series, um, Mm -hmm. these are different countries playing against each other, and and literally, this is the World Series. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we we could do a whole episode on this, and I'm sure you might on on your baseball podcast, but... You know, yeah. I mean, there's so much to talk about with it.
2: Good. And they got on our flight so one, and flew 20 hours and finished the USA off on their turf. Yep. Unbelievable. Yep. <laughs> the, only yep.
4: thing, the only thing I would say, gentlemen, on this is that this is, this is probably the only sport where you're not getting the best, all the best players in this event because of the mm-hmm. way the sport is sort of structured. You know, in, mm-hmm. in the NHL, you know, you've got, you know, when they do the Olympics, and one, I know the league has been fighting this recently that they didn't go re, uh, in, in this last round, you know, you had the best players, you know, representing the sport in, on, on, among all the countries. NBA, very similar thing. You don't have this, obviously, and the NFL doesn't exist. But baseball, because of when it is relative to when the season is, you know, you're, the pitching staffs of these, of these teams, you're not getting the best pitchers. That's part right. of the issue here. Yeah. And that's the only thing I would say that that's taking away from this event. You know, I don't know who pitched for the U.S. tonight. Yeah, I, I don't know who it was. I'd have to look. But it wasn't anybody that I probably would recognize. That's probably that's a big issue right there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, too much right. to talk about in, in final thoughts. So, you know.
2: Cool. All right, guys. We'll see you on in two weeks, Tuesday, April the 4th, man. And, uh, guys, enjoy. And we'll be back. Sangre so, so, ladies and gentlemen. Blee bloop. Appreciate it all. Appreciate it all. Thank you.
3: Can you dig it? Yeah. Can you dig it? Yeah.
2: Bleed blue, 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 blue.